Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I'd like to take this moment to say thank you for listening to the Real Rescue Podcast. It means a lot to me that you enjoy these stories as much as I do. Since the start of this podcast, we've had a lot of support from all over the world. It has been amazing. Now, we have companies joining our team that also want to say thank you for all that you are doing out there standing the watch. These companies are offering discounts on their products as a way to support the rescue community and those tuning into the Real Rescue Podcast. Just go to therealrescue.com, click on sponsors, and see these incredible offers for yourself. This episode of the Real Rescue Podcast is brought to you by Breeze Eastern, the world's only dedicated helicopter hoist and winch provider. Axness, because when lives are at stake and conditions are challenging, clear communication is of the utmost importance. SR3 Rescue Concepts, because you don't know what you don't know. And Airwave, the Airwave Performance Mouthpiece, helping you to use breathing to your advantage. Breeze Eastern, they dedicate themselves to our helicopter rescue world. Since the very first helicopter rescue in November of 1945, Breeze Eastern has designed and manufactured superior rescue hoist solutions. While much of the technology and the unique mission requirements have changed over the past 75 years, their commitment to the rescuers, the operators, and those being rescued has not. Contact them today by visiting them at breeze-eastern.com. The Axness PNG wireless ICS system can bring cutting edge wireless intercommunication system technology to any aircraft. The PNG system can be fully integrated into an existing ICS system or can be carried on and off as a mobile base station. They can go anywhere at any time on any aircraft. Plus with the strongest and most robust waterproof handheld on the market, this system can take a hit and keep working. Their wireless intercom systems are designed to enhance situational awareness through improved communication capability. This system brings superior noise canceling technology to eliminate rotor wash and engine noise from your ICS. The Axness PNG wireless system is currently deployed in more than 1,800 public safety, air ambulance, and search and rescue aircrafts worldwide. I have personally used the Axness system in four different countries and on five different airframes. It is awesome. If you want more information, contact them today at axness.com. That's A-X-N-E-S dot com. You just make sure you tell them Quinny sent me. SR3 Rescue Concepts is a training company that can help your helicopter training. They train daytime, nighttime, aerial firefighting, hoist, longline, fast rope, rappel, and more. They can assist your program with standardization and safety checks or just an FAA annual refresher. With the certified flight instructor pilots and experienced crew, they are ready to help your agency keep up to date with current techniques, rules, regulations, and equipment. Plus, right now, SR3 is offering 10% off anything in their web store with the promo code, all capital letters, REALRESCUE, R-E-A-L-R-E-S-Q. Plus, they are offering another 10% from their partners, Petzl, and their equipment, 
All you got to do is send an email to info at sr3rescueconcepts.com. Mention this podcast and they'll take care of the rest. And airway. What if I told you that you could train harder for longer and recover faster just by wearing a mouthpiece? I know. I questioned it too. Then I gave it a try. The Airwave Performance Mouthpiece is a breakthrough in performance technology that is scientifically proven with over 15 years of peer-reviewed published research at the Citadel to open your airway by 25% for improved breathing, resulting in a 20% decrease in respiratory rate, an increase in muscular endurance, and 50% reduction in cortisol levels post-workout. Now, what does this mean to me? Well, now I'm able to train harder, recover faster, and be even more prepared for when that SAR alarm goes off. You don't need to take my word for it. Try it yourself and see how you can use your breathing to your advantage. Go to airwave.com or visit them on Instagram at airwave to learn more about it. Then, when you're ready to give it a try, because you heard about it here at The Real Rescue, you get 10% off with the promotion code REALRESCUE, R-E-A-L-R-E-S-Q. Coming up next, we've got a guy who served in the U.S. Coast Guard as a hoist operator and or flight mechanic. Those are the guys that work on all the helicopters as well, going out and doing all the hoisting making sure that we swimmers can come home in one piece. Yeah, that guy. His stories are awesome, as usual, and I loved every one of them. He also works with Columbia Helicopters and doing a hoist program over there. So what they have up and coming is going to be off the hook, and I, I'm so excited for them. So please welcome our next guest, Mr. Ian Heckela. My name is Jason Quinn. I am United States Coast Guard Rescue Swimmer number 500. These are my rescues and rescues from those of us that put our lives on the line every day so others may live. This is The Real Rescue Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Real Rescue. Uh, I've got a friend of mine who came on, and the greatest part about this is like, so Ian and I were together in Humboldt Bay, California, and we were stationed there, did a bunch of training flights, no missions together, right? I don't think, it, yeah, I know. I doubt it. Yeah, ah, whatever. And then uh, then we separated, we went our ways. You went on to the next unit, and I ended up going on to the next part of my life. And, and then all of a sudden, here we are meeting back up with a training with SR3, and Columbia helicopters in the middle of Oregon, and we're flying on a 107. It was friggin' awesome, right? Uh, <laughs> uh? Yeah, yeah, like middle of nowhere, Oregon. Yeah, totally. But it was so fun. I had a blast. And, and while I was there, I was like, Ian, you got to come on the podcast. And you're like, all right. So ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Ian Heckela. What's up, my brother? <laughs> What's happening, man? I'm glad to be here. Dude, I'm stoked to have you on. Thanks, man. I, I appreciate you like big time. So this is going to be fun. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. So, yeah. Yeah. I remember it a little different than you do. You were like, you got to come on my podcast. And uh, Zach was like, yes, yes. <laughs> just because he, I, I can't tell him I'm doing it because he'll, he's just going to make fun. But uh, 
Yeah. You know what? I'll help you kick his ass. Don't you worry. I got you. We'll get him. I love it. He's listening. (laughs) He's listening. That son of a bee. I love you, man. I love you. Yeah, we're we're Twinkies. Yeah, we're twinning today. SR3 represent. T-shirts all around. I know, right? (laughs) Did we? No, we didn't. (laughs) Yeah, it was... uh, that was one of the coolest things I've seen for a long time was uh, getting ready for that training. And then I had no idea who was coming. And I saw that truck pulling through and you're in there waving. And I was like, who is, I know that person. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I couldn't believe it, man. That no. was, su- it was super fun. It was super fun. Oh, we and, have and you, you made you guys all made a huge impression like uh our pilots and all the guys that you helped train were it, it, you guys come up frequently we're like yep yeah, sr3 they're they're awesome hey thanks yeah. man by, by name they they bring you guys up oh it's awesome i love it well yeah. thank you for that too we had such yeah, a good time. And, and for the record, like when I saw the roster, I saw your name. I was like, no way. No way. You, you, you knew. I had no idea. I totally did. But well, I wasn't sure. I was like, oh, maybe there's another Ian Heckle out there. Yeah, no. Not. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, Unlikely, that's funny. But maybe. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, Ian. Uh, if you don't mind, give us a little background about you. How you got into aviation, Coast Guard, flight mechanic, everything that you do now, how did it all start with you? It was, that's a, that's a long explanation probably, but so in high school, I was, you know, I listened to Caleb Flippin's uh, podcast and I was like, man, that's, that's a lot like my story. Same kind of deal. Uh, kind of in a bunch of just a renegade in high school having fun didn't care about school um, or doing well in that so I was into sports and I was looking at I was entertaining college wrestling and um, and I had I wasn't ever extraordinary wrestler but I was I was always a little bit stronger and so I could get, I could beat the guys that were bigger, with with or or better with with some strength sometimes. Anyway, long story short, I ended up screwing that up. <clears throat> Enough of the better wrestlers had finally kind of got out of the way. My senior year, and I was I was looking at, you know, potentially winning uh, state that year, and uh, got caught drinking, and got got kicked off the team right before oh man yeah yeah a whole bunch of us did so then even then i was like man i don't know if i'm into the college thing because they're they're intense you know it's a different it's a little different lifestyle and i was looking at it and i was like man, i don't think that's me but well for the discipline part of it anyway and so I was like, well, I got to figure it out because I didn't have, I didn't like school. I didn't want to do, study anything in college. So I was like, I got to look at, I got to look at uh, a service. 
And so the, I came to the Coast Guard and the Air Force were the two I was looking at. I had, I had good ASVAB scores and I wanted whatever was the most like a normal job. Cause I didn't know, I didn't know much about the militaries at all, you know, uh, Marines, Navy, Army, any of it really. And for some reason, I thought that I didn't want to fight, but I, I fought all the time. So it didn't make, I don't know. I thought I didn't want to fight in war or have to do push-ups all the time for being uh -huh. in trouble, you know? So I was like, <laughs> well, so I talked to some recruiters and I end up, I end up talking mostly to the Coast Guard and, and I, I sign up delayed entry and I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I could either pick what I wanted to do or pick where I wanted to go. So I was like, well, I don't know what I want to do. So I'm going to go to Alaska because I've never been there. Also like oh. Caleb, never seen the ocean before. And so I was looking at DC damage controlman and rescue swimmer rescue swimmer because it was the hardest thing to do. And it was like the elite. I was like, well, I, I think I want to do the hardest thing. Or my recruiter is like, Oh, you sound like a damage controlman. Cause I was kind of mechanical, liked working on stuff. He's like, yeah, this is your, this sounds like you, man. So I'm glad I didn't sign up to be a damage controlman because <laughs> as, as we know, especially at like Humboldt or a unit where you're a plumber. <laughs> yeah. And I love my DCs, by the way. I love my damage controlman. They're, they're amazing people. Love them. Abs absolutely. The I name just is don't want that misleading. job. Yeah. The yeah. name is a little misleading. It sounded pretty cool at the time. So anyway, I didn't do that. I didn't sign up for a, a school and, uh, uh, I, I signed up. I went to Alaska after boot camp, of course. Boot camp was the first time I saw I saw the ocean way off in the distance from the windows. I asked somebody, I'm like, is that the ocean out there? You couldn't even see the water. You could just see flat. And they were like, yeah, that's the ocean. I was like, okay, this is a special moment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, so then I went to Alaska had a blast up there. I was on a, I went to a 180 buoy tender and, and everybody, when we got the, our, our orders, they're like, Oh man, that's the worst. That's the worst you could get is a 180 in Alaska. And I was like, well, it sounds good to me. <laughs> and it was, it was, we were in Cordova. So I love uh, Cordova. You, yep. You guys have mentioned that a few times. Uh, I, we, I didn't ever, run into really any of the aviators coming into Cordova because you guys are kind of split off. And, and in the boat world, there's a real disconnect or dislike between aviation, the Airedales and the, the boat guys. And True. so that, yeah, so that kind of, <laughs> <laughs> that kind of delayed my interest or even knowledge of the aviation side of, of things even further because they were just almost not accepted at all same went for the community in cordova they did not like us the boat guys so let's expand a little bit more on that a lot of people might not know this all right so when you have 
the the aviation guys right we're we're like i'm gonna call us kind of like the fire department everybody loves firemen why 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 not your house is on fire you're gonna call the fire department come get you out and they're gonna you know come get the cat and the dog and everything else that's aviation well the boat guys i'm gonna call them more like the law enforcement guys you're getting pulled over because you're getting you're speeding down the highway you're doing something wrong on the water Coast Guard's oh, you don't have a fire over. extinguisher, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Yeah, so that, that's the comparison. And for all my firefighter friends, you're welcome. For all my cop friends, I'm sorry. It's just the way well, it, it goes. It is yep. what it is. I love yep. you all. <laughs> and it's, it's generational up there. I mean, there's kids that hated us because their older brothers and their dads and their grandpas didn't like us, you know, I mean, they don't even, it, it's wild. We got, we, you know, the fighting continued as I continued up into Cordova from high school. That's so and, funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I won't name any names, but I ran into the, the, the toughest guy in Cordova at one point and we, we scrapped a little bit. It, it, turned into a little bit of a legend and lore um all right go in yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh it was wild you know cordova is crazy because they're like there's there's no roads in or out and so yeah. we just had we just had our our little unit and and uh but we had fun we had a blast anyway we were doing aids aids the navigation and going out in the bearing and stuff in this bathtub of a boat first time on the ocean and uh it was a shocker you know like i'd never been seasick obviously and i thought i was gonna be a, like immune to it or something i'm not <laughs> <laughs> oh my god you know what neither am i <laughs> it was rough i wanted to die I wanted to die. I was so just hurting and <clears throat> and scary, scary seas. You know, we're out in like 20, 30 foot seas in this boat just rocking like crazy. And I'm like, well, it's been around since the 40s. So the boat's probably solid. I think we're safe. I don't know. It was just, it was an eye opener. Everything's <laughs> everything oh was an eye opener for the next like 10 years. But we, uh, so I, I, I had a couple of first rescues. The first one with the Coast Guard, I was still excited about it, but it, it, it was not at all, all what I expected. And it was with the buoy tender. And I was, I was a rescue swimmer on the buoy tender. I, was, I forgot about that. They needed a rescue swimmer. And I was like, well, that's one of the things I was going to do when I got in. So I was like, yeah, that's me. Um, and and it's uh basically you jump in the water and if you don't drown they're like okay you're the rescue swimmer <laughs> oh that's funny <laughs> but anyway i was a rescue swimmer for a short time <clears throat> and uh we get called on this we get a sar call and they're like yep there's this boat that's on the ground on on the rocks taking on water and we're like all right let's go get them and so we start steaming for this boat and at a, a blazing like eight knots. And 
we're like, okay, when are we going to get there? And they're like, it'll be 48 hours. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I was like, 48, two days? It's going to take us two days to get to them? They're like, yeah, but we're, we got the pedal to the metal. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So we end up getting there and it's still floating somehow, probably because it's on the rocks. And literally it took us two days to get there. We pull up to this thing and then we put it in tow and it wasn't taken on water baths. We fixed, we fixed whatever that problem was. We got pumps on there and we towed this thing through like 25 foot seas for 12 hours and we had we had one of our boatswains on the on that boat and I remember just being back on the fantail watching and I was sick on our boat and we were getting rocked and I was watching that boat and it would just go it would go in and out of sight and and it would come up you know sideways into sight and then it would flip over and drop back down into another swell and it was the buddy of mine that was on that boat, I was like, how was that ride? And he's like, dude, we were all on the floor the whole time, just <laughs> dying. <laughs> we, wow. towed him like, we towed him like 14 hours. I remember the name of that boat. It was called the, the Happy Pappy. <laughs> what a good name. Yeah, right. That's probably why I, I remember it. They're it'll, not it'll so happy, Pappy. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> they were getting worked it was brutal it was brutal um Dang. but so that that was like the first rescue where we where we helped some people out and then um we had some local guys in cordova that that were partying and took a kayak across the across the sound and disappeared and we went out on a great big search and we were combing the beach and walking you know and it was kind of everybody was volunteering for that but both that happy pappy and that search even that one you know i knew that one was probably pretty dire but i was excited about it i was like i want to help i want to help people i want to i want to be the one doing something and so i knew that was without knowing i knew that was something that i enjoyed and then and then we we had a we had an aid that we had to get to that we couldn't reach by small boat or it was just more more feasible to take a, a 60 out. And so we would get a ride from a 60 that was either down from, you know, probably out of Kodiak, Kodiak I suppose. Yep. And uh, so I'm like, cool, man. This is going to be the second time I'd gotten on a helicopter. The first time was uh, out on the ranch in Montana to go spray weeds. And that was amazing. I was like, these are really cool. <laughs> you know you come straight up and hovering was just wild so anyway it's going to be my second ride and I remember going out and I was kind of dozing off I didn't have I didn't have ICS on the way out I was the only one that didn't have ICS on the way out and I was kind of you know helicopters kind of put you asleep the vibrations and noise and stuff so I'm just kind of chilling and all of a sudden I got my eyes shut and then all of a sudden we're we're dropping and so I'm grabbing seat belts and eyes wide open and everybody's laughing I'm like, <laughs> all right all right 
All right. They're so just... I, I'm just going to tell everybody what happened. All right. Because this yeah. is great. So uh, for those of us that might have fallen asleep once or twice in the back, if we all know about it, we'll ask the pilot to just drop the nose of the aircraft and just fall out of the sky and it makes whoever's sleeping think we're like going down if you're on ics <laughs> it's even better because you're like oh and then everyone's like oh I'm freaking out. <laughs> yeah. it's the funniest yeah. thing to watch ever <laughs> it is and it'll wake you up man it wakes you straight up <clears throat> so it was I funny it. i love yeah, it. it it was funny we did the same thing to the other guy because i got ics on the way back but uh, <clears throat> so we go and they, they didn't hoist us or anything. They just landed on the beach and we go and fix this aid. We load up. It's me and me and one other dude from the boat. And uh, we get back on and we're flying back. And I got ICS this time. And then they start talking about uh, diverting for a, a boat that ran, a, ran aground and it, it broke up. And there was three people in the water. I was like, oh, well. And they're like, yeah, we'll go. We got we got some people on, but we're gonna we're gonna go get them. And they're kind of talking about whether they can or not, or if it's if somebody else could get there faster, whatever the case is. And I'm like, oh man, please, let's do it. <clears throat> I'm not saying anything. I'm just listening. <clears throat> anyway, we end up we end up going and and uh, we hoisted three people out of the water and and brought them out and and i remember seeing <clears throat> just the shock and relief and appreciation and relief was a big thing and just like shock from these people it was a, a man and woman and a, a young kid and they were i was like why am i not doing this <laughs> awaken like, the ian <laughs> yeah for sure it was like light turned on and because i was i was like i'm in the coast guard i haven't i i was striking damage controlman because on the boat it was still kind of cool like i had to weld and use a torch and it was still kind of cool on the boat i didn't know yet the full depth of the damage controlman but anyway i was like man this seems like this is a way better way better route and I could I could use this outside of the Coast Guard after I'm done more than just a handyman and so I went back we you know we rescued him we went back and I was just like that's that's it man that's got to be what I do and so I went back and I put my name on the on the A school list and and at that time there was pretty long wait you know I mean you could wait for a year so that also means a year of being an outcast on the boat. Yep. Because as soon as you put your name on the aviation list, you're like, oh, why are you going that road? That's terrible. Yeah. Like, like some people might listen to this and think that they're like, oh, yeah, they gave you a hard time. No, I mean, it's like they people turn. Like the captain didn't like me anyway, because we were a mess. You know, I'd come into work with a black eye or my head split open. And he was always just shaking his head at me. He never really talked to me. He would just look at me and shake his head. <laughs> so, and he, yeah. So any, anyway, yeah I didn't, uh, 
I didn't have to stick around long. Um, I got on the list thinking that it was going to be a while. And I put Humboldt and, and Port Angeles as two. I wanted the Northwest. And they ended up there like, well, we can send you to Humboldt, but you won't go to school for a while. So basically, I was going to have an extended airman program. And I was like, cool, man, get me in it. So I went to Humboldt and I was an airman there for, I think that got shortened a little bit too, but I was at, at least nine months I was an airman in Humboldt. Oh, wow. Oh yeah, that's a long time. Because the original but program I, was supposed to only be four months and then, yeah. or it, I guess a minimum of four months. You hit the four months and, you're, and you go. Yeah, but it was cool. Um, I'm, I'm mechanical, so it was a fit, you know, I'm just naturally kind of a, a mechanic and, and I've over the years, I've kind of tried other things out and it just, it just fits me. And I, I, I work mechanically well. So I, as an airman, I was, I got to, I got my like post-flight and stuff, which was kind of rare as an airman. And they're like, yeah, you know, we're going to use this guy. <laughs> so they they got whatever they could out of me while I was there for for airmen. Anyway, you know, like it's cool hearing your podcast because I hear some of these names that I haven't thought about forever, and so I'll, I'll throw some names out there too. Please uh, do yeah. give Matt a shout out to everybody. Yeah, everybody's been on here, and then some. yeah, some some guys I still keep in touch with, like John Jameson. Good John Jameson, love that guy. Yep. He, he'd be, he'd be great to have on here. You know, he's just a funny dude. Come on, John, and make it super happen. Good guy. I'll talk to him. Um, Steve Garcia was there, uh, swimmer at the time. And I can't remember the chief's that. name. I can't remember. Yes, dude. I can't remember the chief's name, but it was like Hoffmeyer or something. Uh, who was, I don't know who was there. So I had Mark Berg. He was, he showed yeah. up with me. I don't remember was, who was there. It was before, it was before him. But anyway, anyway, that whoever the chief was, I ended up running into his daughter in Afghanistan. She was she was working out CrossFit there, and uh, she recognized maybe my name. She's like, "Yeah, my dad was the, the swimmer chief there." I was like, "Oh wow!" And I remember her. She was, you know, like your girls, just a, a toddler. Yeah. But any anyway, That's it was random. Our, uh, Albies, Chris Albies, was there. Um, Steve Rich. Yep. Um, and so those guys, so I had to do my swim test. And this was this was another eye opener. I, I get in the I get in the pool with the with the flight suit and the boots and the helmet and the, the weighted vest and stuff. And I'm like, this is, you know, this isn't right. I can't hardly swim anyway. And <laughs> And I thought that I was going to be a swimmer at one point. And, I love uh, it. Dude, I love it. So I get in the pool with like Steve Rich, Steve Garcia, and Alves, I think. And I'm not sure who else. But anyway, I can barely swim. But I make, I make the, the, the distance swim. And then we got to go into the tread. And I'm, I'm trying to tread water in. And I know some people say, oh, I just sink. And I don't, I, th I think there is some truth to that. Like I can get in the pool right now and I'll sink. I just, yeah. I just sink. Yeah. And I remember in boot camp when we had to do the tread water and there's guys that are like visiting. And I'm like, 
I can barely breathe. I'm working. I'm working the whole time trying to tread water, trying to figure all the tips and tricks I can out. And anyway, I, fa I failed my swim test in Humboldt. And I was by myself, you know, I was there with just swimmers. And that was super humbling. I was like, you know, I'm a fit dude. I thought I was going to be a college wrestler. I work out and I can't pass a swim test. Like I'm looking at all these other guys who have already done this, obviously, because they're flight max. <clears throat> and I'm like, I got to, I got to figure this out. And so like, they helped me out. They taught me the, the side stroke, which I still to this day do. Love it. Love it, dude. <laughs> because it works. But they showed me some stuff, you know, and they're like, you got to just cal calm down and relax. I'm like, well, I get that with like a run. If you're tired, you slow down a little bit and catch your breath. I said, but I'm already drowning. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm moving, I'm moving as fast as I can. I don't know how I can really slow down. Anyway, I had to work at it, man. I had to practice. I had to go to the pool and practice. And it was just, it was really humbling to, to fail that. And, and then, so anyway, I figured it out. And it was never easy. It never got easy to do the swim test. And then I would be in there with, uh, what was his name? He was a... AMT. I don't think it's going to come to me, but that guy could not move a muscle and he would sit there and float with his head out of the water. <laughs> there were a couple of those that, you know, like, Hey, yeah, some people have got it. I sink like a rock. Yep. Special body, <laughs> I guess. And I'm just working. And you take, you get just a little bit of water in your mouth. You suck a little bit in and it's downhill from there. <laughs> <laughs> they pulled me, they had to pull me out of the water on that first failure. I, I wasn't stopping, but they had to. You know what? To... When I get one of those guys on here, it's, that's going to be a rescue. That's going to be the story. There I was. Ian Heckler's in the pool. I had to come up behind him. Cross that scary. Sir, it's a, are you okay, sir? I've got you. You can relax. I'm a Coast Guard rescue swimmer. Yep. <laughs> that would have been great. That would have been great if they pulled me out like that, started CPR. But That's so funny. Yeah, I, I don't remember the details real well, but I know I got pulled. I got yanked out of the pool. Oh, that's and, and that's I don't know terrible, I, dude. Actually, that's, oh, that's terrible. I'm so sorry. Super embarrassing, man. And, and it, you know, it's just like one of those humbling things that you take away with you and you're like, I, I'm bad. I suck. <laughs> I got to fix that. Oh man. Anyway, I'm a much better swimmer. And, and that's where I learned, you know, uh, passing that stuff. That's, I didn't learn how to swim in boot camp or prior to that. I almost drowned once when I was a kid and that was kind of like, you know, I just never learned to swim <clears throat> real well anyway. But uh, yeah, it was pretty awesome. So anyway, I ended up passing those tests and, you know, learned to like, you know, I've always liked the heads and the dunker and stuff. I can, I can handle it. I'm not afraid of the water. I just wasn't good in it. And so we, uh, we passed that and then 
started, I went to Larry, Larry Santos, that was another name. He was a, Oh yeah. Good dude. Remember Larry? Yeah. Oh yeah. Dude. Went to his retirement down in New Orleans. Um, so he was a, he was like a third and maybe moving up to second class at the time. And he was like, he was very professional in my eyes. It was like, yeah, this guy's, you know, he's good Christian and, and uh, just a professional, respected, respectful guy. And he, before I went to A school, said, he goes, you need to be the honor grad. And I was like, okay, I don't, I don't know what that is. But he goes, he goes, you should be the honor grad at your, at your A school. And I was like, all right, well, we'll, uh, <clears throat> we'll see what that's all about. So we go wow. to A school. That's pretty big expectations, like sending you off yeah. just for the it was, record. It was interesting. You know, like he's, he's a, I don't, I don't think Larry makes many mistakes. He's, he's pretty, uh, pretty smart guy and and anyway there was something to that and i got i got it i was the, i was the undergrad in our class oh and, good for you man yeah and i was i was uh i was proud you know i'd always thought about that larry might not even remember but i was like that's cool you know he probably had a big influence on driving me to do that either way it was just again that that natural kind of mechanical i call it a mechanical common sense that I, that I have. And I, I see people that have that, you know, in, in the line of work I do now. And so you can make anybody a good mechanic, but some guys, some guys just kind of have it. And, and then you just have to deal with the attitude, whatever kind it might be. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> I've said a few times I'll take, I'll take attitude over ability. Cause uh, yeah. You, you yeah. can teach ability. <clears throat> so anyway went to a school got through <laughs> i got to i got to come back to humboldt and i was there for i think four and a half years and uh um working with also rochelle who who later became my wife and and that that was kind of crazy because we we'd been together for like four and four years four and a half years and never dated hung out a bit were friends but didn't you know there wasn't any real uh any acknowledged romantic stuff there at all and then um she was leaving she got she got orders to new orleans which was kind of interesting her and i think her and uh clark nygaard like traded oh nice that's funny and he ended up going to hit Trump. Um, but anyway, so she gets, she gets New Orleans and still nothing, you know, she's on her way out and she's got like maybe three weeks and we were, we were hanging out, you know, just, uh, groups of people going and watching movies, different places, whatever. And, uh, we hung out up at my place one time. I lived on the beach up there by, by Dimitri and Clark up on the, um, Trinidad head area. Lagoon. Yeah. Big Things Lagoon. Good yeah super cool place just right on the ocean anyway she comes up there we had a movie night and some friends and stuff and then uh her and i ended up just talking later and and uh it all it all kind of sparked off from there and it was weird because i was like man i love this girl and didn't even really know it <laughs> wow and, 
and then yeah does she, she know this up. or is this gonna be the first time she heard it no, i was just kidding <laughs> <laughs> she knows she knows all right good um, good <laughs> yeah but it was just wild we visited and then and and uh yeah we we it, it was just crazy it was it was uh, things happened real fast um we both we both had other things going on and so it was it was just a pretty interesting dynamic situation that that happened real quick we sorted things out and um she was leaving driving to new orleans and i rode my i rode my motorcycle down to san fran while she was on her way out and uh proposed to her down there and this is like three weeks after we um first even talked about it <clears throat> so we went and stayed at the marine memorial hotel down there which is cool beautiful and, uh, ran into ran into greg gibbons there he wasn't even with the unit anymore but ran into him there and and a guy named tad i don't know if you remember tad he nope. was a boat dude okay um anyway uh proposed to her down there uh on the golden gate bridge Wow. Oh, buddy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you sap. I'm just yeah. kidding, dude. That's really well, nice. It was funny. Like, I'm gonna do it out in the middle. And uh I had I had my motorcycle, I had a I had my backpack with a couple of wine glasses and little bottles of she was uh she had a real refined palate. She loved uh Behringer, white zin. <laughs> <laughs> you like you like what you like. Oh my god. <laughs> That so shit is terrible. You know that. <laughs> uh, you know what? I am. Remind me to make fun of her when I actually see her. Yeah. Oh, uh, you know what? I'm gonna do it right now. <laughs> That's terrible, girl. Come on. It's it's funny, <laughs> um, but yeah, I proposed to her on the Golden Gate, and then we went our separate ways. She she went to New Orleans, and I was gonna finish up. I just had like maybe six months left, and I was gonna relab from Humboldt and uh so we left San Fran split and I was I had leave planned no it was, nobody still knew that we were dating and which it had only been a couple weeks anyway um so then I took leave in August late August I flew into New Orleans on the 25th of August and then we got married the next day. Uh, John and Emily, John Jameson was, was uh, they were our witnesses. We just did it in this guy's like living room. It was crazy. Yeah. So we got married in this guy's living room, took some pictures and, uh, and everybody's, everybody's talking about the storm and they're like, they're like, yeah, people are leaving town. Emily's talking about leaving. John's like, yeah, I got to stay. And I'm like, what is everybody freaking out about? I'm from Montana. You know, I'm like, we've had some storms, you know, like it snows a pile there, thunder and lightning storms. I'm like, why is everybody freaking out? And even Rochelle's like, yeah, we were, we had a, a cruise plan for a honeymoon. She's like, I don't know if we can go. And I was like, we're going. What, what are we talking about? And so we end up being able to get on the cruise and people are bugging out, leaving New Orleans. And we leave and she's glued to the TV. Well, cause it's, it's Katrina. That's the storm that everybody's talking about. 
Oh yeah. And I, Here it I comes. Still, yeah. I still don't have a clue. I just want to go party and, and have my honeymoon and enjoy my new married life. And, uh, Rochelle's glued to the TV because she had bought a house in New Orleans. She didn't know if like certain insurances had come into effect yet because there's a grace period and she can't have any fun because she's just sweating it and worried about the house and, and, you know, life. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and uh, so we go out, we head out in the Gulf on the cruise ship we're passing Katrina as it's coming in. So we're getting rocked and everybody's sick. There's people puking in the hallways. It's just, it was like a horror <laughs> cruise. <laughs> oh, that is terrible, man. I'm so yeah. sorry. And, and here's me down at the bar, like with three other people just trying to have a good time. <laughs> Still still like whatever even at this point where i'm like okay yeah it's a storm it's going to do some damage we can't do anything about that right now so we might as well enjoy ourselves so they can't take us back to new orleans all you know katrina comes in and just decimates new orleans right and so they take us to galveston and drop us off and and keep in mind i'm on leave so like I'm, I'm kind of dispensable. Rochelle's the first class in New Orleans and they want her back. So they finally, I don't remember if it's cell phones, how we got in touch or what, but they're like, yeah, we need you back now to her. And so we got to Houston. She had friends in Houston <clears throat> and uh, they end up organizing a ride, a flight for her um, to get back to New Orleans. And I'm kind of like, man, this sucks. You know, I just got married and, you know, our responsibilities now, it's like, yeah, they're taking my wife, my new wife, and I'm just on my own, whatever, to take care of myself. And she's trying to get me into New Orleans. She's like, my husband's a qualified flight mech, you know, can he, can he get over? And I don't remember how it worked at all. I'm sure it was through her and that command, but they got me a uh, C-130 flight out of Houston up to Alexandria and they're like, yeah, we can get you up there and then see what happens from there. There's, there's aircraft coming in from there. So I'm like, I'll take it. So we had, we didn't have uniforms or anything. So we went to Walmart and bought Dickies coveralls. Oh, that's and, uh, awesome. <laughs> we, had, we, had Dickies, we had Dickies coveralls and uh, Caterpillar steel toe boots. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and that's white t-shirts and white t-shirts and that was our uniform for quite a while or a little while anyway mine mine for quite a while because i wasn't stationed there right long story short i end up getting there but so i flew c-130 up to alexandria and then i'm just trying to find a ride there and i get on i get on an army uh chinook and and they fly me down into new orleans i don't know if she even knew i was coming yet but I just went walking up to the air station. I was like, Hey, I'm here. And it was nuts. I mean, we had, we had a, you know, a constant flow of aircraft in and out of there, just ripping through. And then there was, they would pull some into the hangar and we were doing inspections on some of them and just cranking them out 24 seven. People are just getting smoked. There's 
hundreds of people there, more than what's usually there. I'm running into people. Everybody has just kind of got that thousand mile stare and they're just working. And the hangars tore up, the cities tore up, everything is just, it's wild. But the Coast Guard is just cranking. And I was like, this oh, yeah. is cool. You know, I was so, like, so you know what? Can, can we, I want a little bit deeper perspective on some of that. You know, we've heard from a bunch of the swimmers on here that it, that have come through and they're like, oh, this is what it was like out in town. Um, a couple of Navy guys, you know, they talk about going out in New Orleans. Give us a, a view, the perspective. When you're talking about aircrafts coming in, there were a lot of aircrafts that were going in and out of New Orleans uh, there at the air station, responding back and forth. But there was, and actually this was mentioned here as well, guys would come in or the aircrafts would come in and if you were broke, broken, whatever, and you would turn left and go this way. If you were good to go, you'd turn right back to the refueling pit. If you had to change out crews, swap crews, and then boom, that aircraft is taken off again. But from your eyes as mechanic, give us a rundown. Like, what was that like for you? How, how was everything? Was the flow good? Was maintenance good? Was just how did it go? Yeah, I think the I think the flow was great for you know kind of shooting from the hip. They came up with what they called the the racetrack. And I, I think Rochelle probably had part of that. Um, she was up there, you know, she was kind of helping run, run the show and stuff on maintenance. But I think, you know, at the time I wasn't judging it at all, but in hindsight, I think it was all great because like we didn't have, we had a couple of wheels up landings, maybe a couple, one or two um which which was no real big problem it was in soft mud and stuff but we didn't have any crashes we didn't have any mid-airs there there was no lights on in town um a lot of the the infrastructure that that supports flight and aircraft tracking and stuff was was gone and it wasn't just the coast guard there you know there's guard and there's civilians and right we didn't we didn't have any on our side anyway we didn't have any crashes and that's a testament to to how smooth it went. As far as maintenance goes, you know, I've seen this a few things where, or a few times where things just change um, dictated by the situation. And this was one of those where maintenance changed a little bit. And uh, to meet the needs, things were abbreviated a little bit. Not unsafely, yep. not unsafely, right. but things, everything was expedited and efficiency was was huge and it worked great i mean that's great about the coast guards you can go anywhere and work with with people and you have those standards and that's military across the board probably is that's that's why these standards that we sit and talk about how stupid they are when we have to learn them but when you when you it's just like training you fall back on your your highest your your level of training and that's another example of that i mean we just we were able to operate with people that we didn't know or hadn't worked with before and and we were working at the the highest temple that i'd ever seen yeah and i was 
you know, there was still a core, definitely a core of, of uh, the New Orleans people that were stationed there. I was, I was outside of that because I was on leave. Nobody knew me at all except for Jameson was there. And then I ran into other people from other units that I'd seen years before. And it was, it was crazy. It was, it was neat. It was really neat to see. And I was like, this is why I wanted to do this. I mean, this is, we're, we're moving and shaking. It was really cool. And it was, you know, it sucked too. There's some funny stuff about it. Like we lived in like camper trailers and I, I wanted to still be with my wife, you know, I wanted to have fun and, and, uh -huh. and, and listen, newlywed. Was, yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, that, that got, that got yanked from us, you know, so yeah, she was super stressed and, and overwhelmed with work and, but we did. So then, then we kind of made this camp with all these trailers, like camper trailers. And we had, I don't know if there was like six to eight guys in some of these camper trailers. And I think I had one night in one of those. And then they moved me and Rochelle to our own. Aw, look at that. Dude, dude, these guys, like all the thirds and seconds and mechanics and stuff, they were looking at me like, who in the heck is this dude? Because I'm a third class pettit. You know, Rochelle's a first class, but they're looking at me like, what, how does this guy rank? Like, they didn't like me even more. They came around, they came around, but who's this guy wearing dickies? Got his own camper. <laughs> you don't mess. even know. Don't worry about it. All right. Don't yeah, worry about it. Don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> So oh, I was, I was, uh, so I just got to do maintenance for a little while and, and like John Jameson, I think he, he had over a hundred hoists, you know, these guys are just cranking swimmers are breaking through rooftops with axes and yeah. wading through bodies and water and, and, and seeing it going, I did do some flying and seeing it was just insane. Like there was water for weeks that was to the rooftops yeah. and and it was the first time like we're usually looking for people well there was plenty of people out there to see but they weren't the ones we were looking for you know i mean like we were passing up people who had already passed and looking for survivors and it was just such a wild scene you know i, I have some videos still from i don't know where it's at but we we took video of some flights and stuff um eating MREs uh hot you know everybody had their camelbacks they were issuing yeah. those and and it was just nuts um well did, did you uh did you by any chance do any rescue hoist itself like when you went out flying I did for Rita which was <clears throat> I think it was a week or two after Katrina maybe three yep yep so I was I was I was grounded uh, when I was there on leave, um, cause I had broke, I broke my shoulder mountain biking in Humboldt. That's right. I did. Know and, that. Yeah. So, so I get there and I'm kind of healed up pretty much and I wanted to work. So I was like, yeah, I need to get, I need to see a doc 
and uh, get my wings so I can go and get in on this. And so I get an appointment and the doc is like, yeah, he's looking at my chart and he's like, uh, yes, kind of, kind of a rough injury injury. Are you sure? You, you know, how are you doing? I said, I'm good. He goes, uh, can you do this? <laughs> and I said, yep. <laughs> can you put your hands up? Yes, I can put my hands up. Okay. You're good. Yeah. Let me sign you off. <laughs> yeah. He's like, all right. He's like, well, can you do a pull-up? I was like, yeah, I can do a pull-up. He's like, okay. He kind of, he, he signed me off. Got, got me airworthy again. Cross the T, dot the I, little signature, bada bing, bada boom, yeah. we're done. I'm flying. You know, it's obviously <laughs> way more way more in-depth of a checkup than that. But in this scenario, they needed people. And uh, yeah. he trusted me. He's like, are you good? And I'm like, I'm good. You can pick your hands up above your head. You're good. <laughs> I like it. I like it yeah. a lot. <laughs> so. I I kind of I kind of missed out on the hoorah, uh, hoist wise in in Katrina, but I was there for, for the support on the ground and stuff, and that was that was wild. It was uncomfortable, super uncomfortable. Um, but we still had even I looked at it and I was like, we still have food, and we got you know when we got trailers, we had air conditioning. I was like, we're doing pretty good. It was it was a shocker for me to be um, eating MREs in the Coast Guard as our yeah. as our regular meal. That was kind of wild, but at the same time, it was kind of cool. I'm like, yeah, we're real. We're real military. <laughs> which, oh man, which I, that's I great. Take, I take crap about that still every day that I go to work from all the Marines. Yeah, yeah, as we yeah. should. Yeah. yeah, yeah, as we that's should. Okay. Whatever. You know what? You dig yeah. your foxhole. I'll be uh, I'll be knee deep in water. That's it. Yeah. That's as far as I go. Puddle jumper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So then uh, I get my wings, and then uh, my first real rescue that I the, my first real hoist was uh, Rita, and it was somebody else's case. And Rochelle was actually, it was a first class who was on duty. And I was there. And anyway, Rochelle's like, hey, Ian has never had a, a case. And she got it for me. She, she got, he's like, yeah, so he can have. So, oh, she really yeah. does love you. Jeez. Yeah, she's, she's looking out for me. It was, it was super cool. She got me my first rescue. And, uh, <clears throat> I can't remember, maybe Kotri, Mike Kotri, maybe was his name. Can't remember. Anyway, um, I don't think we took a swimmer. Oh. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure a swimmer didn't go with. I can't, I just can't remember. I didn't hoist the swimmer anyway. Maybe, okay. maybe we had one, but, but he didn't go down. Anyway, we go out and we're looking for uh, these guys who had sunk their boat and they're missing. And so we, and everything is still water, just water everywhere. And then in the Gulf, you know, with all the fish camps and stuff, it's all kind of weird down there too. On a map, it looks like land, but you can't walk on it. <laughs> no, it's a, yeah, no, like, you, you can't. It's, like, it's all marsh. It's all, yeah, you, you yeah. just sink. You try to step in it and you just, you're a tear yeah. waste. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. 
crazy place. It's not so. really land. It's no, it's, more it's like grass vegetation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we're looking for these guys, and there's like fish camps on stilts and stuff, and we're just we're just looking and looking and looking, and we end up finding these dudes like on this little kind of a pier. That's all it is. Is just uh, like a like a deck on stilts and we're like man that's got to be them they don't have a ride because <laughs> they're surrounded by water and so we're like yeah i think that's them we didn't communicate with them at all but we pull up and we decide that we're gonna we're gonna put the basket down and, and bring them up and it's it's two dudes wearing you know like rubber waders and they had a dog and a, a 12 volt car battery and I was like, oh, okay, that's, that's them. And so I put the basket down and the first guy jumps in the basket and then they throw the dog in with him and I can't talk to him. And I'm like, I'm telling the pilots, I'm like, yeah, man, they got this dog in the basket too. And they're like, well, do you think they're too heavy? I was like, no, but I mean, I don't know if that dog's going to stay put. And I can't really tell him to get it out. And I'm pretty sure he wants to bring his dog. So we, we hoist them both. Call it a hunch. Dog got in the basket with the yeah. guy. I'm just going to call it a hunch. They want to bring the dog. Yeah. Yeah. He's on the place. <laughs> I don't think he lives on this little thing. So we, we bring him up. We bring the guy and the, the dog up and they're in the cabin. Dog's bouncing around. I was like, you got to You got to keep a hold of your dog because we got more work to do here. And so then we get the, we get the second guy and he jumps in and well, he puts his battery in the basket first. That's <laughs> I'm hilarious. shaking my head. I'm like, no, <laughs> leave the battery. <laughs> oh my God. That's so funny. And we load, we, he loads the battery up. He climbs in and we bring him up and there are a couple of alligator hunters, uh, Cajun dudes. We go and land somewhere for fuel and we stop and, and we're trying to talk to him. And I, I can't understand, like they're speaking some English, but I can't, I can't understand them at all. Like at one point I heard, I was like, oh, okay, I recognize the engine in that sentence, but it was wild. They're super excited. So then it's even harder to understand them. I, so I for even... those who have not seen the show, uh, Swamp People that's like you you need subtitles underneath They've been and that is a true statement like the the <laughs> down in the deep southern part of louisiana they have such a thick cajun accent you really have a hard time understanding and uh you know what me coming from the the northeast new england going down with a new england accent oh my gosh they look at me would you say boy and I'm like, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, what did you say? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, there was oh. there was a there was another rescue I was on. So that was real uneventful, but it was still super cool to me. You know, I got to go rescue and hoist and and pick some people up. So that that was my first case, and it it was cool. That's awesome. You know, thanks, thanks, Rochelle, for getting that, and uh, Mike, if that was your name, for giving it up. Um, you know, New Orleans is wild because I stood duty there for a couple of years. They, they ended up, so I was still on leave and the command talks to me and they're like, Hey, 
there was guys that wanted to get out of there that that were not handling it well you know of course swimmers because they were getting just exhausted yeah and the mental strain and and then there was there was some uh, maintenance folks also that weren't handling it well so uh there was a guy that wanted to uni uh, uh lateral and they offered me uh like a PCS with an extension and that extension would have put me out to about the time Rochelle was getting out. So I was like, all right, you know, either I get out and come and live there as a, a dependent or I stay in and we make some more money. I keep doing the job because we're here anyway. Yeah. So I did yeah. that. Yeah. So I did that. I, I extended, I went back to Humboldt for a minute, got my stuff and, and headed back to, finish out my time in New Orleans but um we so Rita happened I got that hoist and then like when I was stationed there standing duty it was wild like Flippin said um we'd beg out a crew or two sometimes like daily and wow. it's, it's it's crazy because like you're getting hoist you know I hoisted and hoisted and hoisted but it's not like you know you could do a hundred hoists in New Orleans and never get an air medal and you can do one hoist and humble and you're a rock star right you know, just yep. the conditions you got this the the sailboat with 40 foot mast and 30 foot seas out in humble in the fog yep yep <laughs> it's, and it's it's the real deal and and in in uh, new orleans you're you know, like I picked up some drunk dudes that ran aground one time. We went out to get this boat and I didn't know what we we're, I didn't know they were partying or what going out, but we go find them and we fly over them and they're drinking and cheering. They're like, yeah. I was like, oh yeah, these guys are having a good time. <laughs> we were their ride. We were basically their Uber that day. Oh God. Stuck. But it was cool either way. We hoisted them up. They were just having a blast you know i was like you can't bring your beer up here <laughs> <laughs> they were they were trying you know and, you, that you could have charged them i'm just charging for the ride i'm just yeah. saying yeah no yeah. I, that's not what we do that's not what we do i can't say well that. <laughs> i i won't say what really happened oh perfect perfect <laughs> um uh, I, a bunch of stuff just keeps popping into my head another case that we had was with uh oh there remind me kurt peterson there was one that i was gonna uh that, that's one that i still think about um frequently but back to the the cajuns and not being able to understand them they were out we were going on we were looking for some cajuns in a shrimp boat i think and i was with uh john rice you know john oh yeah Yep. Super, super good, uh, good guy. Uh, great guy. I like John a lot. Um, so I was going out with him and we're listening to people on the radio and trying to hail us boat. And, and we can't tell if it's Koreans or Cajun, like <laughs> talking on the radio. Oh my God. <laughs> can't, even, can't even pick which language it is. But anyway, we find the guy and it was, it was cool. It was in a lot of this stuff is we're just doing over and over and over again, but it was just a, just a hoist to a, you know, a small platform on a boat 
um, somebody was uh, some medical emergency, you know, I think we put John down, I put John down on the, like the roof of the superstructure of this little 50 foot boat. And, you know, we, we loaded somebody up, brought him up, got John back. Um, and he treated him, you know, I think he did, he did a lot of work down in Katrina and, you know, I, I, I wasn't with him, but I heard a story about, um, somebody that needed, uh, CPR and John worked on them for the entire time during the flight, you know, to wow. exhaustion, uh, just to keep this guy, I think he, you know, he kept him alive, um, through that flight. And there was crazy stories about, you know, guys on rigs, uh, that had walked into tail rotors of aircraft that are just like still alive. So there was just some messy stuff. Um, I picked some people up off of rigs and stuff. We usually didn't hoist on those, we'd land. Um, But back to uh, Kurt Peterson, you know, I've I've heard a couple people bring him up. He's like a, he was like four, I guess. He was just a big uh, presence. And yes. I think he was, I think he was a first class, either a second or a first class, probably first when I was there. Um, but I liked him quiet dude, but just professional, all, all the swimmers, the older ones. Anyway, I was always like, yeah, they're squared away professional dudes. The young guys were just kind of like pretty boys. <laughs> <laughs> they co- you they know come what? You got to start somewhere. Come on yeah. in. Yep. They come around. <laughs> <laughs> but but like flip flipping and uh pierre were there and i was like oh my gosh these guys <laughs> but they were super caleb, nice caleb dudes. i love you man come on yeah super <laughs> nice dudes i was it was cool listening to his his uh podcast with you um but anyway i go out with kurt on this hoist and we're going to get uh somebody who had fallen i think through like some superstructure stuff on a on a rig and just like plinkoed and was pretty banged up, you know, like broken back, I think. And and he ended up on a boat, on a pretty big boat. And there's usually not much for seas out there, but this this day the, there was actually some swell and the boat was, you know, it was up and down probably a good 12 feet, you know, like a six foot swell. And I was like, wow, this is the closest to like some real seas that, that I've gotten to do. You know, we trained in it and Humboldt a bunch, which was great. And it was fun. Um, but this was an actual, like, I'm trying to pick somebody up that's hurt. And so I wanted to be super smooth with that and not make it any worse, you know? And so we put Kurt down on the boat and every evolution of it is like i'm working i'm working the hoist uh altitude and or the you know the the height of the the hook and the hoist and the swimmer and all our devices constantly and it's all working you know it's all just kind of happening i I put kurt down smoothly and i bring the hook back and he he goes and makes sure the guy's packaged well i'm not sure if we moved him into our litter or what but he was in a litter and then we get, he calls for me to come back in and I'm like, okay, here we go. You know, we're about to pick this dude up and there's, there's a bunch of stuff to hang up on, um, big boat, but not 
uh, like a big flat deck. There's, there's stuff all over the place. So I'm like, gosh, yeah, I hope this works out. <laughs> I just hope it works out. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Hey, we're going to get a little, we're going to dive deeper into this here in a second. Keep going. Yeah, sure. So he calls me in and, and, uh, I bring the hook to him, you know, and I put the hook in his hand. I'm like, well, so far so good. And so he hooks up and I'm, I'm up and down with the cable and I'm watching it, you know, I'm watching a little bit of a loop gather and I'm like, okay, they're going to be coming up pretty soon. So then I'm, I'm reversing it and I'm, I'm, I'm just flooring it to keep up with the boat going up and down and to keep that cable, you know, clear of everybody. And, and it's still just working. And so then he gives me the thumbs up and I'm like, okay, here we go. And they're, they're just starting on their way down. And I had some slack. I was like, okay, I need to ride. I need to ride another one of these out. So I let them go down and they're coming up and I can see a little loop of slack and the boat's coming up. And I'm like, okay, I, this, I got to hit it at the top of this one. And by the time the boat was about to drop out, the slack just straightened up and it just effortlessly, you know, smoothly just came off the deck and the boat dropped away from them. And we backed off and I was like, yes. Dude, that's awesome. Amazing. And, and after it's all said and done, Kurt came to me and he goes, that's, that is some of the best hoisting I've ever seen. And I was like, dude, that is super cool. I still remember it because I respected him a lot. You know, I respected all the people we worked, not all the people we worked with. I shouldn't say. <laughs> That's okay. You can say that too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did not respect a lot of the people, but it, it meant, it meant a lot. Uh, especially coming from him and just to have been successful in that and and it was just a little bit more of a challenging hoist you know uh, we didn't we didn't have wasn't a sailboat in humble but it was still good and it it just it just worked out and and he complimented me and I'll, I'll never forget that I really appreciated him saying something I always try and compliment people because you never know what they're thinking you're thinking and uh, guys credit where credit is due yeah that's I mean it's as simple as that it's huge there's people like if you don't like it it doesn't matter give credit where credit is due yeah simple as that sometimes sometimes go out of your way to do it yeah yeah so Um, let me back up a little bit because I, I really like what you talked about there and you know I I've had a couple um, hoist missions where I've been the hoist operator and to time a wave is a lot more complicated uh, than, than, than we discuss here. You know, you, you have to be constantly working that cable, spitting cable out as the boat's going down into that trough, bringing cable in as it's coming up to the top, but you don't want to go too fast or too slow because you know, and you got to be able to keep up with everything that's going on, especially if the aircraft's moving up and down. It's such a weird dynamic that you have an aircraft moving, you're moving the cable, and the vessel is moving at the same time, and you're trying to coordinate all three. So for people that don't, or that don't give enough, yeah, for people that don't give enough credit to the hoist operators, 
yeah, just remember, we're we're trying to work three things all at the same time. So yeah, yeah. Well done, sir. Well done. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. You're and 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 work. You know, it's it's like the definition of a lot of moving parts. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just a lot. There's a lot going on. Because you're still in communication with the pilot who's flying yeah. the aircraft, you know, and they're doing their best to to do exactly what you say, but they're still battling winds, uh, waves, references, the whole nine yards. So you're trying to compensate for that in the back as a hoist operator. And and then uh, I'll, I'll even go a step further because you were waiting for the next wave to get, you know, to pick it up as the vessel is coming to the top of the wave. The guy on deck is giving you this, hey, I'm ready for pickup. And you, you got to wait, you got to wait. And you're doing your best not to jerk anything off the deck and the guy on the ground is like, what are you doing? And, yeah. you know, there's that's, oh my gosh, that's where wireless communication comes in. It's amazing. But right. anyway. Right. Yeah. yeah. We, we, so, we got some, we got some of that. Thanks to you guys. I don't know if we purchased it yet, but uh, shout out to Axness. We're, we're, we're totally. trying some of that out. Um, hopefully I'll have it for, uh, for next week's work. Um, Good. Yeah. So Good that, job, that dude. Was cool. I'm, yeah, I'm leaving it in it like solid. Yeah, that's you know, like that's one of the ones that I remember, and I, I don't, I don't even know how many times I hoisted it. It was a, it was a quite a lot down there, and I don't remember much of it, but I remember, you know, I remember being out with John. I remember the first one. I remember, and the reason I don't remember a lot of them is because they weren't real extravagant. Yeah, but that one with Kurt, I remember because it was a little bit more stressful, and uh, and he was impressed, and that was, <laughs> you know. Oh, thanks, was, Kurt. <laughs> yep, yep, yeah. I wonder, you know, I think about some of the. I wonder what he's doing these days. I don't know. We're gonna have to reach out together. We'll get him. I have man. I I didn't ever keep t- like I didn't have his number when we were there, so we oh. weren't like police or anything, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was it was cool um yeah it was always kind of cool hanging out with the swimmers uh I was always friends with some of them I remember one time I walked in on Izzy Parker and I can't remember the other guy's name but they were in one of the shops it was on weekend and they had the drive line to one of their cars and they were trying to change a u-joint on this thing and I walk in and they both kind of look at me like, we're in trouble. <laughs> can, you, can, you, can, you, can you help us? <laughs> you know, they got like crescent wrenches and hammers. <laughs> and so I end up- The bigger the I job, mean, the bigger the hammer. <laughs> yeah, they're stuck, you know, they're, they're, they got the car down and uh, it's not looking good. And Ian so, in for the rescue. Yeah, yeah. I went, I went and saved him. I, I fixed the U joint for him, and then uh, I got. They gave one of them gave me a like a little rescue pack thing. It had a hatchet and a saw and a mag light, and it, it was like a Gerber pack. And I was like, "That's awesome, guys!" Like, I don't need this. And they're like, "Oh yeah, just take it." And uh, nice, nice. Because you guys had so much gear, you know. I don't like, know what you're talking I, about, dude. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'd always be like, "Hey, man, can I come hang out and see what you what do you, what you got in the shop?" 
What kind of knife is that? What kind of knives you got? I need a knife. Uh, the, I lost this is knife. the new orange one from Spyderco. Oh wait, this yeah. is the new one from Benchmade. Check this out, <laughs> dude. I got. I still have them. I still have some. Heck yeah, yeah they don't go some, bad. It's it's funny, you know, like the Benchmade I have. I didn't get one. Rochelle did, so she gave it to me as like an engagement present. Aww. And I carried it, I carried it for years. I carried it with me in Afghanistan even. And I've lost it like three times, like not lost in my house. Like I lost it in Afghanistan at a, at a base that I wasn't connected to and I got it back. So I lost it a few times and always got it back. And I was like, I got to take this home and leave it at home. So I quit carrying it. Cause I'd have it for, you know, 10, 15 years. So I was like, I, I don't want to lose it. And I keep losing it. One time it's going to stick. Yeah. So I quit carrying it. But anyway, I was, I was going to clean it up. And if he ever listens to this, he'll be like, that's my knife. <laughs> I, I, took the, I took the belt clip off of it to just clean stuff up. And I flip it over and it's got Ford scribed into it. Jason Ford. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> and I was like... My wife stole this knife from Jason Ford and then gave it to me. <laughs> I'm sure they just got switched or something. Who knows what happened? Right. Yep. That's that's what happened. They got switched. Was, that's pretty funny, man. I said, that's pretty funny. I got he hit it too. He hit it underneath there. I had it for 10 years before I saw that, at least. Probably even longer. I took that, that thing off awesome. one day. <laughs> yeah, it's still it's sitting up in my room. You know he's gonna call you after this, be like, uh, "Yo, bro, can I get my knife he back, might. please?" <laughs> he might. I reached out to him because he's still in. I think he's still in. He was uh, when we did our training. Um, but I reached out to him for uh, for some hoist info. Uh, you know, about the same time SR three came to to work with us. Nice. Uh, Very nice. Yeah, yeah, he's he's still doing good. Uh, I think he's probably a warrant or master chief or something by now. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. These, these hooligans yeah. that I ran around with. They're all like running stuff now. They're all in charge. Jeez. Like, man, you sure? What happened? In charge or retiring? What? Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, it is crazy. Um, all right, dude. So you have, you got an amazing career uh, with the Coast Guard, which is cool because you got a lot more rescues just as a flight mech than a lot of people do out of New Orleans, which is really cool. A lot of hoisting, um, which convenient enough actually translated into a little bit of what you're doing now. So you got out of the Coast Guard, you moved into Columbia helicopters and a baby Chinook they took a hoist and put it on the side of that 107 and then they called you and said hey man we're gonna start hoisting out of this and like that's awesome so what you learned and what you did in the coast guard really brought this forward to a whole new platform years later which is where you yeah. and i reconnected but give us a rundown a little bit about that and and how that program even started yeah, yeah, literally more than a decade later, it, it comes around. Um, I I always loved hoisting just because it's it's fun. You know, it's 
it's super fun thing to do training or rescuing uh either way it's just a good time so uh we've we've a few time a few times i got into i got out in, in 2007 and then uh rochelle and i built a log house together back in montana um that's that's a probably a podcast on its own <laughs> and then it doesn't have uh, to do with rescue no i'm just kidding <laughs> no. leave it um so i applied for a couple places uh columbia being one of them and i sent in some resumes on sunday night and columbia called me monday morning and we're like hey you know you're basically hired we got to fly you out and drug test you and stuff though so by wednesday i had had a ticket flew into columbia hired up and it just worked out great you know like i needed a job and i got it quick it awesome i just I, yeah i just lucked out and i've been with them since 2008 um you know as as anybody does or should do you know move my way up a little bit through the ranks and maintenance and uh, we spent 10 years in Afghanistan we got a contract they were asking for volunteers to do that and I'm like oh yeah yeah I want I want something more I want the exciting most exciting stuff we can do and that seemed like it at that time and so yeah I spent 10 years uh, traveling back and forth to Afghanistan uh, supporting the aircraft there we had I think 12 of them there um, and uh, we won't talk too much about the the uh, Columbia doesn't like a tat uh, it, it, the, we 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 had our small personal protection weapons we didn't have crew surf stuff like that but um, I got into that and kind of built that program and and did all the qualifications and training and stuff for for the, the pistols and rifles and stuff and and purely defensive uh stuff on that side but also just a, a an exciting part of the job you know it's like man it's cool i didn't know i was going to get to do this stuff with columbia because we we were logging uh primarily with helicopters yeah. and that's insane like <laughs> Yes. Yes. Yes, it is. I left. Yeah, real quick. I left Columbia, or I left the Coast Guard, and and clean hangers. Uh, I mean, yeah, hangers at all. To Columbia, I get in the truck with these dudes on my first day, and we drive like eighty miles an hour down gravel roads up to up in the woods, and we we come up on this helicopter, the Vertol, that's covered in snow. And I, I'm looking at it and I'm like, is this the parts helicopter? <laughs> like. <laughs> That's awesome. We we pull ropes off of it and knock some of the snow off. And they started it up and blew snow everywhere and flew away to go logging. And they'd come back every hour. We'd race out there and fuel them up. And I was like, so we just do this all day? They're like, yep, 10 hours. We log, um, and then I went for a ride, uh, a logging cycle, and it's about an hour long. And I thought that we were crashing for an hour straight. 
couldn't believe it. Like if you can imagine dragging logs and logging with like a tractor, which a lot of people can't even imagine that it's violent and it's herky and jerky and brushes flying and trees are breaking and it's just crazy. Well, then you're doing it with a helicopter, which I've always kind of considered a little delicate and they're not like that. That thing is just like, I'm coming off the floor in the back because they're dropping and spinning and like I was almost ceased the the mechanics were like take a bag with you and I'm like I don't need a bag they're like take a bag I don't want you puking all over the helicopter (laughs) so I don't think I don't I don't think I took a bag but I did I did feel a little queasy at one point and I'm like wow wow you know I fought through a buoy tender in Alaska and kind of conquered that. And now this helicopter logging is getting me again, but it was just, it was just wild, just wild. And, and like the atmosphere and the guys that we worked with are just intense, like intense. Yeah. Inside and outside of work. It was just a wildlife. And I brought Rochelle with me. And so I'm looking at it and I'm like, this is a this is a wildlife and uh anyway it 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 was good we logged for a while and then we started doing firefighting not started but like that's like a seasonal thing uh you go from logging to firefighting and then that's a lot more chill and at first I was like I don't really like firefighting it's kind of you know you're just sitting in a hotel or you're in a hotel and you sit around for work you don't fly a lot unless you're fighting the fire which is kind of sometimes it's hot sometimes it's cold and so I wanted to get back to logging went back to logging I was like yeah logging's kind of (laughs) hard so just never really happened and then Afghanistan came up and so I jumped on that spent a bunch of time there came back Afghanistan you know we were there right up to the pullout and uh, we left there. Um, by the way, knowing what was going to happen in Afghanistan, everybody was there knew what was going to, not to get into politics, but it was no surprise the way things turned out there from anybody that was there. Gotcha. Um, so we came out and, and then things slowed down a bunch. Um, and we've been, we've been hunting contracts and one of them is uh, working again, austere, in a foreign country for some um, U.S. forces in 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 conjunction with a, a foreign force in doing a casualty evacuation, and a requirement of that is to have the hoist capability on the Vertol. And so, you know, 46s have had hoists. There's the Labrador that's had a hoist. The HPK from that we have from Sweden, they had hoists on them all before. Columbia has never used them um, that I know of on the Vertol. And I, they knew I was Coast Guard. And, and so the hoist stuff comes up and I get a call and they're like, hey, you know, you did some hoisting, right? And I was like, yeah, man, I want to hoist again. <laughs> Are we doing this? And so then pretty quick, it's, it just takes off and we're putting a hoist on the Vertol and uh, it's a pile of work, you know, and we're dealing with FAA and we're part 135 and just a lot of stuff that I don't even really know about, but I'm 
learning more about. And long story short, we're going to do some hoisting with the Vertol. That's awesome. And so, yeah. So we get a couple of our best pilots. You know, uh, you met Cody and Kyle. Yep. Great and, guys. Uh, Great yep. pilots. Yep. And they asked me, they're like, well, who do you want to bring with you? And I was like, well, Zach's a good buddy of mine. <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> <laughs> we worked together, Zach and I, for a long time in Afghanistan. And, and so I, we just worked. There's a lot of guys that I would have loved to have uh, doing the job, but some people didn't want to do it. Um, but anyway, Zach, I'm like, yeah, do you want to do this? He's like, yeah. So we go out and we did a little hoisting before we even met up with you. And uh, it was cool. You know, it just came right back. It literally been 12, 12 years, 13 like, years, maybe. Like riding a bike. Yeah. And it was, yeah, the mechanics of it was just right there. You know, some of the terminology and getting smooth with that and stuff that that still has to come. But uh, it was just awesome hoisting again. And I'm like, man. I was like, this helicopter really, especially with the right pilots, I was like, it's it's really great. It works, it works really good. And then and then uh we're in Madras and you're pulling through the parking lot waving at me from a pickup truck. <laughs> and we hit the yeah. ground doing some hoisting there. And my my favorite part about like that whole thing, other than seeing you, all right, other than seeing you, was <laughs> right. when I walked up to the aircraft and there's a sticker on the side that says experimental. And I'm like, yes, please. <laughs> oh, it's yep. great. We didn't yep. talk about that, though. And, you know, like, I, I, the only thing I really want to touch on with that is, you know, we uh, we came back to the basics and, and really, you know, in the class, you know, we, we go through all the SR3 methodology and, and their their way of doing stuff. But, you know, when it came to you and I, it was, it was like you and I had never missed a beat. Picked yep. right back up all of our training flights that we had done years prior. It was like, yep, yep, yep. Hand signals and and how to do this and how to do that and and just right, yeah, it was awesome. Like, yeah, again, like we never missed a beat. It was good. Yeah, yeah, it's it's awesome to see examples of that. You know, stuff that you've ingrained with training. Yeah, uh, just come out and it's it's just a reality that that stuff. Our you know our our brains and our our bodies are pretty amazing what they retain and and you can pull back on that you don't even know is there anymore <clears throat> um yeah super cool stuff i want to i want to get out and do some work with that first all you know um uh glacier was was flooding this year and i i saw you know i don't watch the news really but i somehow i saw that there's a bunch of people stuck and i was like oh. man we need a vertol out there <laughs> Let's go loading, loading people up and hoisting them. Get this thing yeah. on the news. So one jobs. of the things that, that was really cool about like the fact that you guys just put a hoist on that is, is the, the option. Now all of a sudden you've taken this great platform for logging, for firefighting, for this, for that. And you've now created it as a rescue platform in one way or another. So yeah. Now, if you're out firefighting, you've got guys on the ground and, and you guys are the only asset in town, dump some water, roll back in, hoist somebody out, take them to a medical facility. 
I mean, right? it's it's just be like it, like we got we got sixteen firefighters that are stuck. Be like we yeah. can get them all in one yeah. shot. Yeah, just sit there and hoist, 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 hoist. Boom, pull out and go home. Like that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be it'd be great to you know I want to I want to utilize it. I want to do it. Your training's fun, but I, I want to yeah. just go and do it again. And I, I think about that sometimes. I'm like, is that kind of silly? You know, am I getting a little too old for that? Which probably not, but. No, absolutely not. Because <laughs> I'm not too old for that. And, and if you're right. too old, I'm definitely not too old. <laughs> yeah. No, we're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not ready to hang it up yet. Come on. <laughs> no, but oh, yeah. Shit. It's, it's, it's just been fun. You know, it was cool reconnecting with you. We hadn't kept in touch at all. So that was yeah. super cool. I uh, met again, some awesome people. Um, shout out to Dave Callen and, and uh, I, I didn't get Rob Monday. Rob, super good. I, you know, I met him briefly in Madras when we were hoisting, but then uh, we brought him out to do some of the medical uh, air ambulance stuff. And, and he was a rock star. Yeah. for that and then you we know, had dan concetti out with us love dan yep yep yeah i didn't get to know dan real well you know we had a few days there but uh squared away dude uh definitely taught us some stuff you know it's it was just cool man it was cool hanging out and hoisting and seeing the gear and and another thing that stood out to me was you know you said it you said you know when people say we've always done it this way and you said, no, we haven't. It, oh, it, it drives it is, me up a wall. <laughs> yep. It's like we evolved to this by not doing what it was always, what, what was always done before. And people get stuck in that. It's like, no, we, we haven't always done it this way. And there were some things that, that have changed that you guys brought to the table. And I was like, cool, man, we need to be open and find the best smoothest way to do this stuff and that's what i want i want the best stuff i want the best policies and and uh, procedures and we picked some of that up and i man i hope we link up again i hope we do some more training oh it's, me too guys out again yeah. I, I think we should because we're going to have a whole new group of people we'll, we'll see what what jobs pop up or pop up but got to like people a, up. i'm a phone call away buddy you just right pick up the phone. boom I mean, right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Heck yeah. Dude, Ian, uh, it's been awesome, dude. I appreciate all this. Um, Before I let you go, I got one more question for you. And that is with everything you've done, like Coast Guard to Columbia helicopters, you've been around the world. If you had some advice that you'd pass on to either younger guys or guys that are still in it now, what would you tell them? I don't know how much it pertains. I guess it probably pertains to just life and rescues as well. But I just, just a few days ago, I got some advice from a guy, super good dude that I do. I do a little trucking work for. I'll jump in a semi and drive a little bit on my off time. It's kind of, of course a, you will. <laughs> it's kind of a fun hobby. You know, I like, I like driving a big rig. And I love it. Anyway, I, uh, I've screwed a couple things up there and, uh, you know, tore up some tires and, uh, another truck one time and just had some accidents that, 
not, uh, let's not call them accidents. So we'll say incidents. Um, okay. That to me, that to me, you're like, man, I screwed up. I screwed up really bad. Um, and and I've had that a few times in work too. You know where I've screwed up in the hel helicopter world, and I'm like, man, this this might they might fire me for this one. You know, just for example, something that's that's got me really worried. And I, I've told younger guys for a long time, like, first off, I'm not going to name drop you. We'll, we'll do what we can. Um, if it's necessary for you to be held accountable, then, then we'll go there at that point. But um, even when things are really bad, I'm like, try not to just grill yourself too bad. Give it a couple days. And there's been several times where things seem really bad. I've given it a couple of days and I've never heard another word about it. <clears throat> you know, I didn't just ignore it. I, I took measures to correct whatever happened or, you know, I, I filled in the people like, this is what happened. Uh, this is why it happened. And this is what we're going to do to prevent it. And it, it goes away. And so there's been a few times where I really, you know, I lost sleep over something that it wasn't necessary. And I, I kind of, abuse myself for a night or two and it it wasn't necessary and and that that can be hard on some some people you know so the advice i got that applies to this the other day is that that guy that i drive for i asked him i was like man i said how are you so cool with all the stuff that happens you know breakdowns or incidents or whatever i was like how are you always so cool like he never has ever freaked out at me at all. And he goes, well, he goes, Ian, I got some advice a long time ago from a guy and it's super simple. He said, it's never as good as it seems. And it's never as bad as it seems. Wow. And it's, it's super simple, but he's used it. And I've, it hasn't gotten out of my head since he said it. And it, it kind of, fits in with what I've been trying to tell people about like just give it a couple days it's it's not as bad as it seems and you I can like probably that. relieve you could probably relieve a lot of stress you know it's probably not some mind-blowing uh advice for people but it's sticking with me right now and it's uh I thought it was pretty cool you know because like this guy is really he's he's just cool in all situations and my dog's starting to bark And uh, I was like, that's great, man. It's never as good as it seems, and it's never as bad as it seems. Dude, I like it. Yep. Man, we're, we're going to end it on that because that's some good stuff right there. Brother Ian, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much for coming in. All these stories, it's, it's so good to see you again. Uh, I hope that we do get a chance to go train again together because – Man, I really, really want to hang out in that helicopter one more time. <laughs> I think we will. I think we will. It's been it's been super cool being on here with you, man. And uh, I love you. Love uh, getting to do this with you. Awesome. Well, I look forward to seeing you again, my brother. I'll see you, you soon. All right, brother. Later. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we are out of here. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Real Rescue Podcast. Please take a minute to like, subscribe, and hit that share button. I'm pulling chocks and taking off. But before I go, if anyone out there has a rescue story they would be willing to share, 
I would be humbled and honored to have you on as a guest. Or if you have any questions about rescue or anything else we talk about here, send an email to jason at therealrescue.com. That's jason at T-H-E-R-E-A-L-R-E-S-Q.com. You can also check us out on our web pages, therealrescue.com, our Facebook page, and our Instagram page, at The Real Rescue. Again, a special thank you to all of you standing on the watch today. Always remember, when that SAR alarm goes off, those in distress are praying for a miracle. They are going to get you. Until next time, fly safe and swim hard. <laughs>